All right, so as the kids head out, I'd like to uh, invite my brother in Christ, Alicia Chattapalli, ladies and gentlemen. Please give him a warm welcome this morning. Please take a seat there, mate. We'll get you a microphone. <laughs> Don't do yourself an injury. There you go. That's yours, brother. Thank you. All right, Alicia, welcome to church in the marketplace, mate. Great to have you with us. Thank you, mate. Did you see what he did there? He slipped in a mate for us Aussies. He's been learning that. Um, we, had him at the rug- out, we had you at the rugby last night. It wasn't the result we wanted for the Wallabies, um, but it was what we'd call a cultural experience. Amen. Amen. Uh, there were plenty of mates. So he's slipping into the lingo. But, Alicia, um, this isn't your first time to Australia. Australia is what you almost call your, your second home. Yes. Uh, very briefly, I thought it might be helpful to give uh, people a refresher about your story. Can you tell us about what life's like growing up in Andhra Pradesh in India? Very briefly, tell us your story. Thank you so much, Pete, for giving me this opportunity. Thank you, each and every one of you. And my name is Elisha. I'm from India. I'm a missionary. I was born and brought up into a very poor Christian family in India. And my parents were daily wage quarry workers uh, working in the mines. So it's daily wage. Daily wage. Quarry workers. Yes. So they work in a quarry, quarry yes. breaking rocks yes. to earn money yes. and that day. loading the trucks and carrying the rocks on their head in right. a small basket. So hard work. It's very, very hard work. And the shift was 24-hour shift. And it's a very, very hard job. And they used to get one US dollar per day. It was about 25 years ago. So it was very hard for them to look after four children with that very small amount of money. And we've been through very, very hard times in our lives. And there were times that we didn't have you know, money to buy the food. And it was very, very tough. And I was put, myself and my brother, we were, put, we were admitted into the uh, government-run hostel, or orphanage, they call it. So because we were very, very poor, and there I had to eat the food, which was very, very bad. We could see the dead insects in the food. It was very, very bad. And at the age of 13, I became a uh, child worker you know, in the quarries and the agricultural fields to help at my family. Thir- sorry, at, at 13 years at the, of age, yeah, yes. you too yeah, became, went to work in the quarries. Yes, yes. Okay. Because my parents uh, were working very hard, and I'm... I am the eldest son in the family, so I have seen how my parents are suffering to feed us. So I wanted to help my family. So I started at very early age, and also I was a milk boy. I, was, I used to collect milk from the different uh, uh, cow owners, and I used to collect the milk from morning 5 to 9 o'clock. And after that, I used to go to the school. And for doing that, I used to get 60 rupees. It's like 1.2 Aussie dollars now per month four hours per day. But that was good for me to buy some books because I had a great desire to be educated. I'm the first generation in my family who has the opportunity to go to the school. Yes, so it's so very, you're, very you're, tough. Okay, so you're the first in your family to go to school, not yes. university, to go yes. to school. School, yeah. Amazing. And so you grew up in, in a Christian home? Yes, yes. So there are some, there's millions of Christians in India, but there's still a small percentage of the population, obviously. Yes, yes. And then, uh, having known a little bit about your story, that you can, uh, you can read about, actually, um, Ian Elisha has written uh, a book 
you can purchase this today. Yes. It, it, an inspiring story. But having read your book, I, I know a little bit. So I can just prompt you to speak a little bit about, and you know, you, you, you lost your faith at university, didn't you? Yes. At yeah. university, things went pear-shaped. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how you returned to faith in Christ? Yes. Uh, I was born into a Christian family, and I was born in a Dalit family. I don't know how many of you know about the caste system in India. We have this caste system that brought destruction to the mankind than the hope. It's a creation myth. So what it says is, according to the Hinduism, people, Hindu people believe in 30 million gods and goddesses. Mm. So everything is a god. So a snake is a god, a tree is a god, elephant is a god, a rat is a god, you know, you name it. Everything is a god, a tree is a god. But there's one particular god called Brahma, means creator. So out of his body parts, four group of people, they're called the caste. So four caste people came from the different parts of that god. The first one is Brahmins. They came from the forehead of the god. They are the priests and the teachers. And they are 5% of the entire Indian population. They took the, all the... Did you say 5%? 5%. So they're, they're the highest... highest. They're, they're, they're the priests and the teachers. Yeah, priests and teachers. Okay. And so then... Second one is Kshatriya, means kings and the warriors. And they came from the shoulders of the god. And third one is Vaishya, means business community. They came from the belly of the god. Fourth one is Shudra, means working class. They came from the feet of that god. And they are helping the about three classes above them. So these are the four group of people according to Hinduism that came from the different parts of that God. And there is one more group of people called the Dalits or the untouchables or the outcast people because they are not from any part of that God so that's why they are called the outcast people. There are more than 120 different kinds of discriminations against the Dalit people in India, the untouchable people, the outcast people. So some are, they are prohibited from entering into the Hindu temples. And some are, they have to live outside the village, some of the discriminations. So still but in it, the 21st century... it is century, technically illegal though, isn't it? It is illegal as per the constitution. But this system was invented and has been practicing in India for the last 3,000 years. Not just a one-year thing or a 10 years practice. 3,000 years. Even became India, you know, known as one country. So it has been a, you know, passed on generation to generations. It's a very, very strong in the people mindset. So everyone got the job, but the outcast people had no job. The job that was given to them is, was cleaning the public toilets. And there are more than one million manual scavengers who clean the public toilets with the bare hands. So still, you know, what I'm saying, you just Google it and you find everything. So the life of Dalits in India. And still so in these, the 21st these, are, these are your people in yes, India. Yes, yeah, yeah. And on top of that, you know, there's, the Christianity is another yes, yeah, form I'm, of discrimination. I'm, I'm, yes, yes, yes. So I was born into that caste, the untouchable caste. So we are 300 million people out of 1.3 mm. billion population. It's like a one quarter of entire Indian population. And because when the creation story was created, we didn't have any God. We are prohibited from entering into Hindu temples. But because of the Christian missionaries, when they came to India, they worked among the dark people, the untouchable people, because we were touched by a God who loved us so much, irrespective of our caste and the creed. And he allowed us to come into the temple, to the church, when we are prohibited from the entering into the Hindu temples. So that's why we are the majority of the Christians in India, about 
80% of Indian Christians belong to the Dalit caste. So that's why Jesus is branded as the poor people God because we are the majority of the poorest of the poor in India and we are the lowest of the low. We are the, you know, outcast people, untouchable people and they say Jesus is untouchable people God. If any other religious people become a Christian, they say, why you need this untouchable people God? Why you need this outcast people, God? Because we are the majority of the people. Okay, so that's, that's interesting. So Christianity is perceived in India to be a, a, a faith for the poor people because what, 80% of the Christians belong to the Dalit yeah. group of people. Yeah. Okay. And in India, about 8% of Christians in India, there are 8%. Yeah. And if I'm, as a Dalit, if I say I'm a Christian Dalit or untouchable, I lose government benefits. Because you have to see there are 300 million Dalits in India, the untouchable people. If they become Christians, just imagine, the quarter of entire Indian population will become Christians. So they don't want us officially to mention we are Christians, and they reduce a lot of government benefits. And so all this fed into you losing your faith around university. Yes. So I was born in a Christian family. I was born into the Dalit family and a very, very poor family. So as I was growing, I started to think, you know, if God was real, I was a very good Christian kid. I, I was raised in the orphan, oh, sorry, I was raised in the church. So my mother was very, very, has been very good Christian. So as I was growing, my thinking towards God changed. There were two reasons in my university. So my science teacher in my school, science teacher said about the Darwin evolutionary theory, which says man came from monkey. But whereas I heard the you know, pastors preaching and my mother telling God created the man out of dust. So there was a, you know, a conflict be between these two sto stories. And, but my science teacher's real brain was just to believe that science was more powerful than the God. And so I started to believe that theory. And second one was, this is the main thing that made me very angry with the God. That was, in, you know, I was born to a Christian family. I had a lot of messages about the blessings. When I say blessings, you know, having the three meals a day is a blessing. You know, a, a blessing. A blessing. It's a big blessing. Okay. So, so can I just repeat that? So, um, your 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 situation in life where you were struggling yeah. didn't, didn't match up with what you were reading in the Bible. God yeah. promised promises, and you felt as though God wasn't yeah. following through on his on his word. Yes, because okay. Bible says everything was created by God. So I started to think, and God is the one who created the poverty. If a God was a just God, if a God was a true God, if God was a real loving father, why he was allowing his own people, Christians in India, okay. to suffer without food? Okay. Other religious people, Hindus are better, Muslims are better than Christians. So why Christians are going through this, you know, hard time? So I was very angry with the God. I became an atheist in my college, and I became a communist. Because in India, Communist Party is the third biggest national party, and they fight for equality. So it was very easy for me to be attracted to that party, and I became a communist leader, student leader. I never thought I would become a believer. If you met me 20 years ago, you wouldn't believe I would hold the Bible in my hand. I used to argue with the people. My name is Elisha. It's a Christian name. But I didn't like this name, because if I say my name in India, people would recognize me mostly I'm a Christian. And Christian means I belong to the Dalit caste also. So it's very, very hard. So I wanted to change my name from Elisha to Rolex, you know, the watch company name. <laughs> I don't know where I read it, but I read it and I liked it. It's, I thought it's a cool name, Rolex. So if I so had... That, that is interesting. So, okay, so this is one of the things that as a Westerner, I I'm, struggle to get my head around. 
Uh, so your name, Elisha, obviously from the Old Testament, the prophet Elisha, that gave you away as a Christian in India yep. and therefore as a member of the Dalit system and you suffered discrimination. Yes. So you've gone from being raised in a Christian home to being a communist yes, yes. Very <laughs> hard student leader yeah. in university. Yeah. What happened? So when my life was going on in such a way, in 2002 on Christmas Day, exactly 20 years ago, one of my friends invited me to come to the church. Actually, I was not interested, but to make my friend happy, I went to the church. When I went to the church, the pastor was speaking about love of God. What made God to send his son, Jesus, to the earth and why he has to come and die on the cross of Calvary? His message was entirely on the love of God, which was something different. And he said, there are some people in this church who don't believe Bible and God. I thought he was talking about me because I was that person who was not believing the God. And he quoted a scripture from the Ezekiel, second chapter, first verse. It says, son of man, stand up on your feet, I will speak to you. Son of man, stand up on your feet, I will speak to you. From Ezekiel. Ezekiel, second chapter, first verse. Ezekiel chapter 2, verse 1. 2, verse 1, yes. Okay. So it came and touched my heart. I felt not the pastor was speaking, but someone was speaking to me. So after the uh, service finished, I went to the pastor. I said, you know, how that message was something different. And I said, it touched me. He said, God was speaking to you. Then I put my biggest question, why God created poverty? Bible says everything was created by the God. So my thinking was, God is the one who created the poverty. And my pastor really clarified to me that God is not the one who created the poverty. In the first creation, there was no poverty. But because of man's sin, you know, all these things came into the world. And the caste system was not the God's creation. It's a man creation. Man created it for their own, own you know, benefit. So he really clarified to me with all those doubts I had. We spoke for more than one and a half hour. So then wow. I was enough able to trust that I was wrong in my thinking. So I accepted him on that day as my Lord and personal Praise Savior. Praise God. Praise God. That's awesome. And so you've come home to Christ. You, you, you've accepted that, in fact, what the, the poverty you are seeing around you in your own family, in your own circumstances, this isn't as a result of a distant God. It's as a result of human sin. Yes. And... and so tell us about this vision that God put on your heart to yes. start accepting kids into yes, your yes, home. Yes, yes, and uh, the pastor led me to the Christ is now is my father-in-law. So it's a nice way to go to the church, <laughs> get saved, marry the pastor's daughter. <laughs> right. So, so that's, that's how, how I got works. saved. Okay. <laughs> we don't go into that. So uh, that's how I got saved. And Though I was raised in an orphanage by myself, I had no intention to start a children's home. Two things I hated in my life. One was children, and second one was dogs. <laughs> I could pamper the children for a few minutes, but I couldn't be with them for all the time. And in India, we have a lot of street dogs, though, so they're not good looking, so I used to hate them. God gave me the love for what I hated once, and God gave me this vision to start a children's home in India. We don't like to call it orphanage. It's not a good word. I was raised in that. I know how you know, children are being treated there. So we call it light home, a home for the hope and a promised future. So God put me, you know, a great vision and burden on my heart to start a children's home. I, now I see that, you know, looking back, God has put me in that place to experience what I've experienced, to understand the people suffering, you know, firsthand. If I did not have that in you know, the same passion, if I did not have the same experience what I had, I wouldn't have the same passion. It's my life. It's my vision. It's my, you know, everything for me. And so you start accepting children. Yes, and we started the children's home with 
one child in my own house because we didn't have any uh, um, places every, anywhere. So we turned our two-room house into a children's home. We started in one room with one child on August 1st. And since then, God has been very, very faithful. And it's been a wonderful journey. So that's why I wrote a book called Journey by Faith. So it's a good read. You know, you will enjoy it. You can read it. So you just covered a lot of territory. You accept one child into your home one day. They kept coming until your family home was... Yes. Too cool. big. And we have, we have 12, 12 of family members because in India we are, you know, uh, united families, you know, one family living under one roof in a, in a big families. So we are 12 members and 15 of our chi home children, total 27 people, we lived in those two rooms with one toilet, one bathroom. I don't know how I saw One toilet, one bathroom. Yes. And, and these are children, how are they coming to you? They do have parents. It's not yes. as if... Some children have no parents. Some do have single parent, mother or the father. Many do have parents, but parents are very poor, cannot look after them. Right. So that's where they bring to so us. So they, they actually bring the child to you for an education? For education. Okay. Because we also have an English medium school that we are educating the children. I strongly believe that, you know, giving a food, shelter, you know, clothing, all these things are good. But two things I strongly believe. One is education. Second one is the gospel. Be yes. So education means because in India we have, the, you know, English medium education that is only considered to be privilege of the elite. So those who are educated in English medium schools are the ones who are able to get the better benefits in the society. So for our children who are very poor, they cannot afford the English medium education. I studied English as my third English. language. Okay. Just going to slow you down. You're yes. speaking very quickly. Yes, sir. So, uh, so the first thing to, to note there is that um, you outgrew your family home, and by the grace of God, you, yes. and through the generosity of, of Christians uh, in Australia, Australia mostly, yes. um, you're able to purchase the current property that you are in now yes. and, and build facilities to provide these kids with shelter yeah. and, and food. food and but the other significant part of this story is that you educate them. You used the term English medium, didn't it, you? Yes, yes. Okay, so, that, so you're edu educating them in English. Yes. The school is in English, and that is significant. Can you tell us why? Yes. In India, we have 1,600 plus languages. If you come to India, what you learn in one state you may not speak, we may not speak that language in other state. So India is not one country. It was united by, you know, first Alexander the Great united as one country, second Muslim kings, third British united, because India was not one country. We had a lot of languages, a lot of cultures, a lot of things. So English unites India because, you know, mostly because those who are educated in English medium education are the ones who are getting the better benefits. Because modern Indian economy is dependent on the English language. So for our children, for the untouchable children, we are very, very poor. We cannot afford the English medium education. So that's why we started this English medium school for the poor children in the village because I'm a country boy. So that's why my heart is for the country children, country you know, people. So we started school 10 years ago. Now we have 340 children in the school coming from the you know, surrounding areas. And in the children's home, light home, we have 118 children. Living in, 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 in the home. Yes, yeah. I, we also live in that same campus. All right, so there's 118 yeah. living with you, what we would call a boarding school, yes. and then there's over 300 day kids. Yeah. And they come to school in their uniform, in which itself is a blessing, isn't it? Yes, yes, They're yes. very proud. You can see some pictures yes. here. Yes, so I went to school without having sufficient clothes and sufficient books in my life. I never went to school with the uniform, so my dream is to give the best to our children. So all this uniform you see, it's not common for the 
uh, poor children to afford. So we give them, you know, mostly free, and those who can afford, we ask them to pay a little bit of money towards the you know, school fees. Yes, and that's the top is the light home children, some of them, and bottom is the school children. So that's the campus. And you've just had, you've been operating for a few years 16 now. Sixteen years had now. Six years. So you just had 16, the very 16. first. You had the first of your graduate kids now starting university, college. Yes, yes. I mean, some have finished already university, master's degree, some have finished. Some are, we have children who finished the uh, science uh, accounts, uh, become uh, the BA. We have one student who is studying in the US, he's studying MS. So we have our nurses, we have children who finished nurses. So we have all different background children. So I would like to tell you about this one girl. If you can go back a little bit, please. Yes. So uh, uh, there are uh, two children that we that they joined us eight years ago. They both are brother and sister, and she's the mother. She they have no parent and no relatives also. And one year ago she got the paralysis stroke, and that's how now she's looking. The mother, and it completely changed her life. And the kids were very very you know uh, depressed, uh, but we helped them through. And the girl, now the boy is studying become taxation, become tax, and the girl, her dream is to a, become a, tax a nurse. Accountant. Accountant, yeah. yes. Sir. And the girl dream is to become a nurse. Normally, children, what happens is when they're kids, they have one dream, when they're growing up, they, it changes. But for this girl, her dream has been to become a nurse. And uh, she now joined the become, uh, sorry, BSc nursing, it's a four years course. And the next slide, please, that's the house, you know, it's attached heart. So that's where my, uh, that's how my house also used to look like. The same. It's a very basic housing, very basic Very basic housing. But these children and these Dalit children are now receiving an education in English because English is your ticket out yeah. of poverty, out it of gives poverty. you opportunities and in it, India. Yes, and it breaks the poverty cycle that we have been trapped into for yes. the last 3,000 okay. years. And we have school uh, recently, this year we had more children than before, so more than 100 children are sitting on the floor, and uh, next slide please. So that's the most of the children have the t benches and tables, but 100 children do not have them, so we are trying to raise the funds for them. It costs about $4,000 for the benches, and next, please. And we have more children this year right home. So normally we have the beds, but for about 38 children, we don't have the beds. And we bought the beds, no, beds, and now we need to buy the mattresses. So, yeah. so there are still children there without beds? Beds, okay. yes. All right, so yeah. the need is, is still great. Yes. But it's not just uh, the school, is it? One of the things that we were very impressed when we visited was your sense of entrepreneurship. Yes. And, uh, and as many of you have seen out the front there, you also support the local women in your community yes. by this new sort of cottage industry that we're calling Promise Bag. Yes, yes. Can you tell us about that? Yes. So actually, we've been uh, doing this ministry for the last 16 years. 90% of our support come from the generous donations from the Aussies. So God has given us this dream to start a, you know, a business so that we can employ the local women and the profits, 25% of the profits goes towards the ministry because we want to be self-sustainable ministry within India in the long run. So next, can I uh, go on to the next slides, please? Yes, we also do the aged care project. Where we feed the 21 elderly people with the two meals a day. So they come for lunch and dinner. Next, please. Otherwise, they would not be receiving this food. No, uh, no. If, so it really is a case, correct me if I'm wrong, but you've explained it to me that, that really these women that, that you know, members of my family have visited, 
These are elderly people that have been really what cast out by their family. Family, because what happening is in India present days, so children are taking the lands and the properties from the parents and the, they are throwing them out of the homes. So very very sad. So age dumping they are calling it. Age, age dump. Age, age dumping. Yes. So it is not Indian culture. We used to look after the elderly very very you know, strongly, but nowadays the kicking out of the in the homes, the parents, once they take the money and the properties from them. So now we are taking these you know, elderly people, 21 elderly people, two meals a day, lunch and dinner. If our you know, center was not there, they would have died a long time ago. Yeah, amazing stuff. Yeah, yeah. All right, and so the promise bags, um, yes. you're raising money, you support the local women, and the local women, I mean, that's significant in itself is empowering women, is it not? Yes, yes. Because I, my father was an alcoholic and we have been through in a very lot of uh, hard challenges. Uh, because what happens is this system, this in the caste system, it says you know, you're born as a poor, you die as a poor. You're born into the dirty caste, untouchable caste, you die as untouchable caste. So it just traps us you know, for the 3,000 years. Men work, they get money, but they get depressed because they see no hope. Right. So they spend money on alcohol, they come home with nothing, and children and the women are the victims of it. So that's why we train, we train the women in the leather bags manufacturing and we you know, give them employment. So we have some bags here, all bags are completely handmade, 100% genuine leather. And each bag comes with the story of the woman who made it. Mm. So in the world mass production, you don't know who made your bag. But this bag comes with the story of the woman and with the thanking letter, all the women personally signed it. When they came to us, they don't know, many of them cannot read and write. We trained them how to you know, at least sign their signature. So you see, we have a thanking letter with the, all the women, you know, yeah. holding the promise. So, yeah. so I suppose that little tag inside that leather bag is what Aussies might call, or marketers might call, a point of differentiation. Mm. Uh, it is a leather bag with a difference because you actually hear, see the story of, of the lady that, yeah. that actually made that bag. And you are hoping the next venture you're hoping for is a hospital. Yes, yes. Why don't you try something difficult this time, brother? <laughs> <laughs> A hospital. Yes, yes. Amazing. All right. So what's your vision quickly for a hospital? Yes. Uh, God has given us this. God very clearly told me to start a children's home, school, and the hospital when I became a born-again believer. And it took a long time to, you know, really start that. Now is the time that we felt God was really start asking us to do. So we're praying to start a, establish a 10-bed uh, multipurpose hospital for the poor people in the villages. Because as I said, I'm a country boy, that's where my heart is. And for the poor people, it's very hard to get the good medical care. And there are government hospitals, but they are, you know, uh, the facilities are very, very bad, not good. So people don't like to go to the government hospitals. Okay. So that's why, you know, God has given us this dream to establish a 10-bed general hospital. Okay. So a 10-bed Hospital, hospital where you are for the locals for the yes. country people. and God really clearly told us you only treat but I'm the one who's going to heal them Amen. so hospital is not the healing place but the only treatment place I'm the one who's going to heal them so that's important uh, I, I did want to sort of conclude by by saying you know that you know your your reason for doing this comes straight out of your faith in Christ yes it, definitely. It, you are seeking to upend some, some systematic injustice in your country as yeah. a result of having your life changed yeah. through faith in Christ. Yeah, yeah. So can you, tell us, can you tell us, leave us with a bit of an inspiring story? Have you got a, a, a word of encouragement for us this Defin morning, definite, Definitely. The great thing about the Christianity is wherever the Christian missionaries went, they did the right thing. They did the good thing. 
and this when the saw the people you know reality the situation on the ground you know they moved with the god's compassion we had the empathy not than the sympathy you know we move with the heart so whatever you know wherever they went they did the great thing so when they came to india they worked among the poor people our people the christian missionaries so god has you know really given us you know given me this passion to help our children so it really very much ingrained in my faith not just you know i'm doing because i'm a you know, charity worker or social worker no we are god's workers so everything we do not only giving them physical hope here on this planet yet but the main thing is spiritual hope and that's very very strong and very important to us and i would like to share one scripture now it's from uh, spoke to me very very clearly when i became born again believer and it's in matthew chapter 25 matthew 25 25 and from 54 matthew 25 54 yes, is it I, i yeah i read it yeah maybe you can read it because uh it's like matthew 25 there's only 46 where is it matthew 25 54 you can read that then the king you read it okay <laughs> okay i've got my glasses oh okay, yes sorry sorry because i was thinking about the accent <laughs> then the king will say to those on his right come you who are blessed by my father take your inheritance the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world for i was hungry and you gave me something to eat i was thirsty and you gave me something to drink i was a stranger and you invited me in i needed clothes and you clothed me i was sick and you looked after me I was in prison and you came to visit me then the righteous will answer him lord when did we see you hungry feed you and feed you and thirsty and gave you something to drink when did we see you a stranger and invited you in or needing clothes and clothed you when did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you then the king will reply i tell you the truth whatever you did for the one of the least of these brothers of mine you did it for me amen you know, in all these children you know i see jesus you know all these elderly people who need food who need you know hope and all the women who that we care for and we also run a gospel crusades pastors conferences we also do the churches construction so we do different um, you know things that god has put on our heart so in all these things in all these children i see jesus you know i want to serve him so it's uh, not just you know giving them a food that yes we need a food you know all these things you know cost and everything we need it but we are not there to do the social work we are there to do the god's work we want to bring everybody to the knowledge of the christ amen 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 thank you so much brother for thank sharing you. with us thank you thank you i'm staying here yes fitting sir if if people do feel as though they're able to contribute and to help out to your ministry um they can obviously purchase a bag here this morning how else can they get in contact yes. with you and we have a, a partnership with one organization here in australia to receive tax deductible donations yes. so all the donations to our ministry are tax deductible so I, we have the details and i can give you and we send weekly newsletters to the friends to keep them updated about what's happening and if you would like to receive our newsletters please give me your name and email we will keep in touch or and pete is pete is coming in maybe next year so if you would like to come to us visit us to see the reality on the ground we always love to have you visit us we have a guest house we can take care of you 
I say, no worry, only rice and curry. <laughs> so. uh, Elisha does a very mean biryani too, so oh, yes. we'll get him to, he cooks the biryani. So yes, the offer is there to come and visit. Yes. They have some guest accommodation on site at Lighthome, so if you're keen to come and visit, I know um, some younger generations of the Chapman family haven't been yet keen to go and visit, so if you would like to join us uh, sometime in the winter time in India, which is around the start, end of the year, start of the year, yeah. let, let us know and we can make that happen. But in the meantime, you can uh, add your name to the emailing list out there on the desk. You can speak to me and I'll text you the details for Imagine Compassion, which is a tax deductibility organisation. If you're not worried about tax deductibility, we can just give you a straight Aussie bank account and you can shoot some money straight across and that will find its way to uh, Light Home as well. Yes, yes. Thank you so much, brother. Can I pray and, for you? Yes, and we can, we can talk about the Zoom calls. Oh, yes. absolutely. Yeah, that's right. So you can also Zoom some of these kids. One of the ways that you can help these kids out is by speaking English. If you can speak English, you can help these kids out next week by appearing on a Zoom call. I've been doing that for the last couple of weeks. Uh, so if you would like to be a part of, of those Zoom calls, uh, any time that's convenient for you and for the kids, there's about a four and a half hour time difference between the two, got to factor that in. Uh, please let me know as well and I can make that happen as well. Can I pray for you, brother? Uh, loving Lord, thank you so much uh, for bringing uh, Elisha this vision to, to do for the least of these, Father, the least of these children. Father, we do pray that you'll continue to use him. We thank you for the vision you've put on his heart. We thank you for the fire, the passion that burns in his bones, Father, to liberate his people. We pray that you'll prosper his work. Father, we pray that you'll go ahead of him. Father, we pray you'll be working powerfully through him and indeed all of the staff at Lighthome. Father, we pray that you'll be giving him direction for future ministry endeavours. Father, we pray that you will provide the resources that is needed to keep this ministry afloat. And Father, above all, we pray that he will always be looking to you for inspiration, for leadership and for guidance. And all the people said? Amen. Amen. And I'm